have Andrew. Okay. It looks like, are we live now, Brad? Uh, you're asking me. <laughs> I, I think we're live. Um, this is going to be a special episode because once again, Andrew messed up with his equipment. It doesn't have all of his equipment. So we're not going to have any intro music. Uh, we do have another amazing guest this week. Um, many of you probably recognize this Basset Hound loving uh, grit eating southerner that we've seen and been impressed with as a keynote speaker at QB Connect. Um, she's an amazing person. She's also probably one of the most knowledgeable people I know on niching and has an immense amount of knowledge um, on winery specific consulting. Um, so Jeannie, thank you for joining us this week. How are you doing? Good to see you, Jeannie. Be here. I'm doing great. Thank you. And it's not niche, though. It's niche. niche. No, it's niche. It's niche. niche. It's not niche. Coming to you, to you live from Canada. We're, we're speaking Canadianish today. It's yeah, my niche. sister wants to know if it's Z or Z. It's Z. It's Z. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's not process either. Process. <laughs> It's process. process. <laughs> Everyone now, loves Jeannie's accent. Now, now, Andrew, just so you know, we do want to talk about Basset Hounds. Jeannie mentioned before, so feel free to bring well, up all things I Basset. I tell you guys that, you know, when COVID lockdown, you got to pick up a new skill, so I'm going to become a puppeteer. <laughs> Are you doing? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I love it. So we have a new guest. We have, we have two guests this week. What's the name yeah. of our other guest? Oh, I don't know. I haven't named her yet. You haven't named her yet? I'm come up with a name by the time I, by the time I finish my corona, corona vaccine here. <laughs> official official bear of COVID. So, Jeannie, are you going to be one of those people at the conference that has your little puppet? There's a few people oh, that God. do that, right? It's kind of a thing. No. You should. You have to go to Renaissance fairs if you do that, and you have to actually have some talent and ability. So, I'll leave that. Oh, yeah, you. you don't have any talent or ability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I beg we're, to differ on that one. We're not buying it. Yeah, we're not okay, buying her hairstyle, it. Her hairstyle already tells me she has some secret skills. That, that wasn't oh, she's got mad problem. skills. She did that on her own. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeannie's getting all shot. Are you blushing, Jeannie? Are we embarrassing Jeannie? I'm blushing. I know. Thank you. That was so kind. Well, Corona now. Yeah. This is the official wife of Napa Valley, Corona. That's the official. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up with a little soul instead of Corona this year. We're in the, we're in the Mexican. Yeah, we're in the Mexican. I, I grew up on Mexican beer. Me too. It's the best. It's the only beer I drink. Corona Light. Yeah. People give me a lot of grief. <laughs> so what's new with you? What's going on, Jeannie? I mean, I, I guess you're probably not doing a lot of speaking these days. Well, uh, <laughs> not in person. Not in and, person. Know, I, think, I think we all realize, I mean, I don't know how much... I don't think we appreciated how much those social gatherings meant to all of us until yeah, we did oh, yeah. that. This is usually when we're all together and, you know, I do like one speech and then I'm done and then I get to play with all my friends for like the whole rest of the conference. And this is horrible to not see people. Yeah. So it is going to be the last year for us. But let's... And webinars. And so, and people didn't, so half of my income, so I work in a CPA firm two days a week. So part of that, keeps going and that's been insane i mean the workload there has just been through the roof because i do a lot of translation of technical stuff and so you know the u.s laws have been ridiculous and so i've oh, been yeah. writing articles and training and doing presentations reading and and teaching and then relearning and teaching and all that stuff so that's <laughs> been really good but this the day covid hit 
I had a big project, the biggest project probably had, and they canceled it the next day. And then I had all these speaking things lined up and then all just evaporated. So half my revenue vanished overnight. Um, but luckily I have other things. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have the, the least a salary for part of my work. And then I have a bookkeeping business as well that also kicked into sort of high gear. I think we've all seen that if mm -hmm. we're in the industries that still need help, that can still afford help. Um, and so we did more things for those. So that kind of came in and some other projects came along. But it's just, it's really, and this is my season of getting out there and being social again. And you just miss it terribly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, miss, I miss people. I was just I telling know. someone that today. I, you know, with all the international networking we do at these conferences, and there's so much yeah. fun. And then we keep in touch through social media, but it complements yeah. the in-person. It fills and in the blanks. Are the, are the best. You know, everybody yeah. and their brother, you go around and you just spread joy everywhere you go and you connect people and you're just such you know, little angels popping around everywhere and making stuff fun and entertaining. And I mean, everywhere you look, you two show up. So it's just, a, it's amazing. <laughs> We've been and we, fortunate. And we get a high off it, right? Like, yeah, it, totally. It's, it, it's a rush. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fun and it's really difficult. And I, I hope that doesn't mean that live events go away permanently. I hope they'll bring them back because I think what this is made it? appreciate them even more. Yeah, absolutely. Sasanya, listening to us? Should we tag you? We should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a while. I know there's a lot of people who are uh, trying to aim for the 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 fall and stuff. I think that's that's optimistic. Really? You think it's going to be that much? Wow. I think 2021 is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, I, I Joe's trying to Joe's trying to do scaling, um, but yeah. he keeps pushing it up, pushing it up. I think it's yeah, November so now. I know he wants to try to get, but you know, even if you get you get people there, they're just you can't. You're not going to feel the same. You know, no. the flights are still questionable. Just the whole environment is different. You know, mm -hmm. and Napa Valley is, um, is, and you know, California is a disaster. You know, we're just climbing up, and we closed everything down early, and then somehow we ended up spiking. Um, but they're still doing outdoor dining and things like that. And so you walk through Napa Valley, and there are people coming, but everything closes at eight o'clock now. Usually, on a regular year, you know, at night the streets would all be packed, and people would be going around. And so even if there are things to do. They're not near the level of things to do when you come places right. like that, or when you go places. So you might be able to find a restaurant or something, but you know, there's, if you go someplace, you're not going to have everything that we're used to finding once we arrive. So I don't know how you, how it's going to come back. So how, how, how are the wineries adapting and pivoting to COVID? They, well, and Lord knows we're drinking lots of wine. <laughs> well, you know, that's the, that's the beauty, right? It, yeah. Good times, bad times, you drink more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it happens, but you know, if you're, it depends on what your price point is for, you know, many products that so mm -hmm. it's very skewed in terms of who can afford to do anything. So we have the low end of the wine that is getting purchased in volume, right? So the lower price wines, and then we have the high end, those people who could afford the high end wine aren't hurting. And it's the, the wines in the middle and the people in the middle sort of who are cutting back on their expenses. So they're going down to lower price. So those mid-range cabs, which is Napa Valley, if you haven't distinguished yourself already, you're suffering right now. But they're being very effective in moving to e-commerce, which we've been pushing for 20 years in this industry. And now they all just overnight figured out how to do it. You know, mm. it's like a lot of things that we all figured out. Well, we're probably to. with a lot of your help, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, if you're an advisor, 
and you've already established yourself in that capacity, the people are coming out of the woodwork, switching mm -hmm. off their non-advisory accountants who aren't there to help them. We yeah. set out right out of the gate. We started publishing articles and tell them day by day, minute by minute, what was coming out. We started doing free training. We started offering free dashboards for our wineries. We were in there with them. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we leverage. And that's the whole point of this is being in a position to help these folks when they hit a, a rough patch. Yeah, exactly. So and it, it pays for itself out, tenfold. Say again, Andrew. I was saying, and it pays for itself tenfold, right? When tenfold. you go out, yeah. yeah. And you give free stuff away to the extent you can, and you know, take care of your people, and you know, but people are so appreciative of having somebody they can ask questions of right now. They're just yeah. really struggling, and so this is our time to really live up to the the opportunity to live up to the promise of this whole trusted advisor thing that I can't stand. But, but <laughs> they got to rebrand that. Trust and there's advisors. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Let's earn their trust, not just talk about it. You know, yeah. so it's really saying you're trustworthy does not make it so, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just like saying you're an expert. Well, yeah. baloney. Yeah. Put an expert label around my neck. Then I'm, I'm a maven. <laughs> yeah. Or saying you're a comedian and then get ready to speak, and then nobody, the bar is set so high, nobody will think you're funny, right? So you don't say you're a comedian ever. You say you're an accountant, and then if you're funny, it's, you know, wow. It's a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all I am is the person who asks dumb questions. That's, that gets you pretty far in a lot of places. <laughs> well, I remember the first time, the first time I saw you speak, 2015, um, in San Jose, and I brought Jeff Borshaw and Jenny Morrill on. They're like, Jeannie who? Yeah. And yeah, you hooked them pretty exactly. good. We had a lot of fun that day. Yeah. You were you were on fire that, that day. Was, that was, was the fun. best. I think that was yeah. one of my favorite talks that I've ever given. It was one of the topics that's really meaningful to me. It was from going from no voice to influencer, which is really what happened to me. Because I actually had a point in my career where the managing partner at Deloitte that I reported to told me, evaluated me and told me every single thing that I did in my job was bad. He gave me the lowest score. He had all Fs because of my poor communication skills. And That's then he so said, backwards. And then he said, and your voice tends to be a whine. <laughs> and I left that meeting just like, what am I supposed to do? Have voice surgery? <laughs> Transplant, I'm gonna get, you know, but the hell? and it was just devastating. And then to find myself up on a keynote stage from that. And that's yeah. really, and so this, you know, that se session was a really heartfelt topic about how to how I made that journey myself and even a nerd could be heard that was the topic wasn't yeah. it yeah. yeah and well, unfortunately though when somebody gives you an evaluation like that they should be there to provide you with suggestions about what you can do and there was nothing there I got nothing except you stink and go back to your cubicle and do some more taxes that sounds like an accounting firm it's yeah. you know we don't know how to how to mentor and guide we know how to again like like accountants tell you how bad it is right that's our strength yeah, we can assess. We can't improve. <laughs> yeah, and come back next year, and I'll tell you if it stinks more or less, right? But nothing in between, and that's how we manage people also in our profession. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to change that too, as you guys know. I'm trying to change everything. These days, I need a nap for everything, or I can't get anything done. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> there an app for that? Exactly. Does it okay. work with Zapier? <laughs> we gotta have a drinking word or something. Every time we say Basset Hound, everybody has to drink Basset Hound. Y'all okay. Drink. Yeah. Well, I'm off easy because I'll go with that one. I got water, whatever you're drinking. Yeah, or or, or if we say if we say event or seminar or conference, we got to drink for those too. 
Okay, deal. Sounds good. Okay. So, friends. <laughs> you just want to get me going. Oh, you just said conference? Yeah. So did you. Oh, you said it again, Jeannie. <laughs> this could be bad. This could be trouble. Yeah. But, I, I mean, so how do you how do you take that advice and then turn around and actually because you like I I love you as a presenter because you're so authentic, you're so honest, you're so witty, like you and it's so funny like that advice is the absolute worst advice I've ever heard in my life because you are such a great speaker and you like you communicate in a way that is you don't speak over people's heads, you don't speak beneath them, you speak at their level in plain English and I think you're you're great. So how did you? How did you recover from that? And well, then you know that, that's one of the it's one of the lessons from that. You have to develop the passion to get beyond to, to be brave enough to go speak, right? Yeah. It takes a lot of guts and a, a real desire to get out there. And and that pain is what motivates you to go do something. So I was yeah. a terrible speaker. He was right. I said I was terrified because every time I handed something in, I got back a list of 50 review notes of all the stuff I'd screwed up. Did you so get voice became, surgery? That's what we want to know. Yeah, I got voice. Yeah, I used to have a you got French the southern accent. version. I used to have a French accent, and so I got a transplant. Yeah, she's not actually southern. Did a good deal on oh, southern that charged. day. To make me sound way smarter, Brad, than than the nice. French accent would have been. So, um, but it's really the um, you have to hit the point where something triggers you to want to do something else, right? right. You have to have a pain. And that started the pain. And I didn't realize how devastating that was. And I didn't, there wasn't anything I could do. And I had to keep working, but I always carried this shame that I wasn't as good as everybody else. And so, and then I transferred to another Deloitte office and I felt like I was coming. And basically that guy told me that he made them accept me, even though I was inferior goods. So I just sort of wandered around with just this sort of, you know, low self-esteem. And so of course my communication got worse because I'm not going to, you know, yeah, you're afraid to say anything or speak up, right? Yeah, because I'm going to be wrong. So, and then I, um, so, so that sort of was the, the base point of it. But then, then many years later, I, when I um, went through a couple of other things in tax, but then I ended up doing computer salt consulting with small businesses in Atlanta on Peachtree, which used to be the product. And the first time I walked in and sat down with somebody, you know, there on Peachtree, it was always somebody's spouse had decided that they were going to be the bookkeeper so they implemented the software and said here now you go do the bookkeeping and they were terrified and they i walk in and they'd immediately go i'm not an accountant like i was going to arrest them for their inferior <laughs> accounting skills <laughs> i just want you to know i'm not an accountant and i would go well that's good because i am one and we don't need two of us <laughs> and i would make them laugh and then they would relax enough so that I could show them what was going on. And so that became, and, and the more of those I did, the more I realized this is what I'm good at. I'm not intimidating mm -hmm. because I'm such apparently crappy communicator, but I mean, I really developed the confidence in the relationship and then not trying to prove something. And really my goal was to make people comfortable. And then I, you know, then went through a series of things, but the real breakthrough for me was my first speech, which yeah. I did not want to do. I was terrified and I'd never been a speaker. Um, and I so why'd got, you take it? Because I had a job to do. So I was with Navision Software and my job was to build a CPA program. Right. So the first thing I did, and I just left the CPA firm as partner. So I had credentials. So I knew I had some credibility. And so I called a bunch of CPAs across the U.S. and said, uh, I mean, I called a bunch of resellers of the software. And my job was to build relationships so that the CPAs would you know, recommend Navision. 
So I called a bunch of resellers and said, how do you feel about the CPAs? And without a doubt, they all said, we hate them. I mean, they'd hang up the phone. <laughs> we don't want to have a relationship with you people. And they'd hang up. I mean, I must've talked to 50 people now. We hate them. But if we get them in on a, on a sales call, they will kill the deal for us. So we don't want them involved. Right. They were the competitors or they're negative, you know, Nellies and they kill all of our sales. So I had to present to these resellers that had told me they hated CPAs about why they wanted to work with CPAs. And that was my job. And so I thought, well, I can either run out the back door and quit, or I can figure out what I'm going to do to get these people to, you know, turn the corner with me. And so I, I had a friend who happened to be, thank God, a movie buff. And she could tell you, you could say any topic and she could give you a movie that had that covered in it. So I said, I got to have something with humor that talks about how nerdy accountants are. And she said, you got to watch this clip, The Lion Tamer and Monty Python. And it's basically talks about how boring accountants are. And I said, perfect. So I had to do all this stuff back then because we still and had to buy the rights to show it and all this stuff. And so I started my presentation going, I called you guys to find out about your perspective on accountants. And this is what you told me. And I started the clip and it said, accountants are dull, dull, boring, awful. And I said, that's basically what you all told me. And you know what? It might be true, but if your client and mine have a problem, they call me first and you second. So you need me on your side. And they all laughed. And then the whole tone of the meeting changed. And it was like a light bulb for me. I went, this comedy thing works. I can mm -hmm. break down barriers. And so then I started focusing on figuring out how to use that in, in communication. So that's when I got stand-up comedy training. Talk about being scared out of your shoes. <laughs> it's scary. But so again, you think, if you could do that, nothing after that is as scary. Do you think that that's a skill that anyone can acquire? Comedy? You know, I didn't think it was. But after doing the class, I don't think everybody is naturally funny. I don't think people see things that way. But they can be funnier with training. And I think right. it's a big mistake. A lot of people think that they are naturally funny and don't get trained. Yeah. You know, a lot of people assume that I'm, you know, people tell me I'm funny, so therefore I'm going to be good at stand-up. It is not true. There are things you need to know how to do that yeah. help you in all walks of life. It's timing, it's process, it's, you know, it's delivery. It's, it's also pulling from who you are, which is what I got out of it. It's like, and I was just like middle-aged mom. So I got on stage, middle-aged white mom, and all these other people had like cool angles they could work. And I was going, I need a something that I can play off of. And so, and I watched all these people that had that really work it. And, you know, and so I kept going, I don't know, I'm not nothing but middle-aged white mom, a CPA thing, you know, it's not all that funny, but I had a story about my older husband and things like that. So, I mean, I managed, but, um, but that was a critical insight. I kept going, I gotta have a thing. And then, I, so I was living in Atlanta and, you know, being a redneck in Atlanta ain't a thing. It's, 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 it's Atlanta. Just <laughs> Being a redneck in California is a thing. So, so, so you moved so you could be funny. I, I didn't know it, but it was a huge gift because then I had something I could work on both coasts because I can in California talk about my redneck thing. And when I'm in, in Atlanta, I could talk about the goofballs in California. The, everything totally. we say about those liberals in California. Yeah. yeah. So it gave me um it gave me a, a, a comedic stance that I could take that really helped. And so I, I play off of that. I use it in, and, and it also became clear to me that if I, you know, as a redneck in wine country, the standards for what they expected me to know were very low. You know, it's all about, comedy is all about surprise. 
So that's why if I come into a speaker thing and some, I never want them to say anything about comedy. I want them to say that I'm a CPA because then they think I'm going to be dull as dirt, right? Right. Totally. So when I come in with comedy, it's like, whoo, this is way better than a, you know, a CPA. So when you come into a wine situation, sounding like this, they're going to, this dummy doesn't know squat about, you know, wine, which is still true, but I can wow them with what I do know about accounting. So mm -hmm. it's, it's disarming and you can use whatever you've got to give yourself permission to be who you really are. And then right. that's when the power comes out, the confidence comes out. And that's when people are drawn to you. When you're not trying to disguise whatever, whatever your handicap is and you're embracing it. And so that was when I got here, when I landed in wine country, it became so clear to me that as CPAs, we make people feel ignorant like I feel when I go into a winery for the first time. And then mm -hmm. I started using that as well. Accounting like, snobs. I get how they feel. Because I like walking to wine and going, I don't know what y'all are drinking. You got any Budweiser? You know, bring me a throw in the wine. Corona, please. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about or what pairs with what, but you know, as long as it goes with bacon, I'm probably going to like it. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's um, but it was, it was so visible to me to, to experience that as a, you know, as a newbie in a strange land with people talking a different language. Mm -hmm. And it really like a light bulb went, this is what we do day after day to our clients. And, you know, I'm not going to buy your wine if I don't understand it or if I'm terrified by you and you treat me like an ignoramus. I'm not going to buy yeah. that one. Again, or if you're coming I'm off of pretentious. Or... Yeah, I'm going to go buy the stuff down the street that I can pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the screw top. Now, we, we, <laughs> we, top. All know, we all know Misty Mahay and how talented she is. She's like... Yeah. What can't she do, right? She's a, and she took her acting knowledge, which is 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 quite deep, Amazing. and applied it to a workshop at, at QuickBooks Connect in Toronto in December. Have at you a ever? Yeah, at a yeah. So, oh, of course. So, have <laughs> you ever considered doing a workshop like that? Kind with of her applying? all the time. No, but all the time. oh, oh, with her, but like just well, having. She and I've been trying to get it. She got that big highfalutin job at Intuit and didn't have time for me. And now I'm trying oh, to okay. do all kinds of cool stuff. But I really cool. want to combine the two because her skills are such a different angle. But yeah, one of my things right now that I'm really, I really want to do is teach other people to speak. And you know, I coached TEDx speakers for six years after I did a TEDx talk, and oh, that was no. one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I've watched your talk. It was such fun um, to see people come in and to coach them and then watch them. I mean, it was like your child succeeding to see them get on that stage and just rock it. It's one of the best feelings I've ever had. So as soon as I did mine, I got off the stage and said, I want other people to see what this feels like. And I, I want to take help it. Sign me up. It. And it was, it was amazing. So yeah, I, I, I really want to help. Basically what I say is, you know, I'm getting old. <laughs> I want to help groom my replacements on those keynote stages. I want to make sure that we have people in line to get up there and, and keep spreading the word. Right. So that's and, one of my goals. And I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to have you all work with me on it, Brad. I'd be into that. Yeah. Cause I'd you be know, speaking, yeah. you know, we all like to give it a shot and yeah. humor is really a great way to break the ice. And it when is. you're talking about the accounting profession, like we all know, that we know a lot of very cool accounts and bookkeepers. Okay. We're so fortunate to know so many people that have broken the mold, but we right. also know a lot of people fit the mold perfectly. Way you too know? many people in those molds. We wish they yeah. would. What is, it, 
An extroverted accountant is someone that looks at other people's feet. Isn't that how you say it? Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of them, but I'm telling you, there are a lot fewer than there used to be when I started. You know, the requirements, technology requirements of this industry yes. now, I think would require a very different mindset than the people that used to be drawn to accounting. And much more social creative. media, right? Yeah, social, social the social side, the you got to combine it. Yeah, it's a much deeper, um, and I still, we still have some of the, you know, my age and older crowd that still aren't with it on all of that stuff. But well, um, the, the, the profession is, I, I'm so excited. I think we have better opportunities now than we've ever had. The technology has helped us, but the people coming in are just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I think it is changing, but I think also the three of us, and I've heard this so many times, like I used to think that we're all, they're all, everyone's like us, right? It's like this, like this group that hangs around at these TV, we're all these like, funny different accountants who are comfortable being weird and different unfortunately it's still not like that's that's still the exception i think it is we're in a state of change in which it is transitioning and more and more people are becoming attracted to this and recognizing that it's not it's not what they thought it was accounting isn't someone sitting in the back corner anymore and recognizing the power and the influence that an accountant has over a small business and how rewarding that can be to be able to do that. But there's still a lot of people who, I, I mean, I think we all know that public speaking is the number one fear in the world, right? It's, it's the number yeah. one fear in the world. Yeah. And even if you're not gonna be go- trying to get up on stage to speak, yeah. just communication. And like you said, is one-on-one. the way that one-on-one, like the way that that humor can just break down that mm-hmm. fear and that and those barriers that you have when you're dealing with someone and and we also know like all of us anyone who's listening who's an accountant who's a bookkeeper have been through situations where you're dealing with someone who is uncomfortable about managing and dealing with their taxes whether it's because they don't feel like they know enough or they're uncomfortable they've because done the business something isn't bad. profitable or yeah, yeah exactly or they've done something wrong and they're terrified and they're ashamed and they're disclosing their deepest darkest secrets to us we are confessors yeah we are healers we are i mean i don't care what you say about the logical brain part we are heart-based service providers we are doing a heart a heart healing work i mean it's Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i kind of try to sneak in with the basset hound which is what that represents for me it's the heart not the head it's the the heart oh basset hound okay (laughs) (laughs) but you know i had to find a way to sneak that in I had to find somebody at an emotional level when I'm speaking so they wouldn't freak out. And when I slap that basset down on the screen, if you don't feel an emotional and go ah or something, I've broken down another barrier. I've broken down another wall in connecting with you at a much deeper level. It's Mm -hmm. part of my magic. Don't tell anybody. This is a secret, y'all. Well, don't worry. We only have two people to watch this show and they're they're my mom and my dad. Well, you know, what I was going to ask you, Andrew, is how do you get your list of people to be on this? You go down the list and say, who's not likely to have anything to do on a Friday night at 11? Oh, <laughs> Which geez. is pretty much it's every pretty account. Much everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> hard. Well, that's true. <laughs> Jeannie, I'm sure, doesn't have anything going on with the business called Even a Nerd Can Be Heard. <laughs> we, we, be- know, we know our audience and we know that most accountants really don't have a lot of parties to go to on Friday night. <laughs> Andrew usually does. Yeah. Andrew's, Andrew's just warming up. this is my pre-party well i do have one thing i'm doing that's new finally you know i've been talking about advisory forever the the mentor plus advisory 
tools or what we use with wineries. And it's what I talk about when yeah. I talk about advisory and that niche thing that you keep calling the wrong thing. <laughs> niche. Yeah, because you can't say that the riches are in the niches. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything I know about advisory and all the cool stuff that I get to do at wineries is a result of my training for Mentor Plus. And I've been working with A.D. Osborne, the founder and all this stuff for years. And it's always been live training and I would show up and do different things. And so she's decided she doesn't want to do it anymore. And so I helped her package her. I mean, I helped her put it up on a site, but she did all of her materials and recorded it in an online training program. And she handed it to me and said, here, you take this and just go out and sell it and then put whatever you want around it to help people apply it. So I have for the first time taken that on. And now when I speak about it, I have a program that you can come and, and learn and I will both mentor you or coach if you want it or just help you get through the do-it-yourself program. So that's one of the things that I'm hoping will help me ride through some of the, the lack of speaking. But it's also something that I've been basically talking about for the last 20 years with no direct connection to the training or no ability to really do anything with it. And now I'm just really excited that I can take something I really believe in and use and help other people find these tools. So that's a big, a big thing that's coming this year. I have it on my website. I'm talking about and promoting it in my speeches officially now. I can send them to a program. And I was able to cut the price dramatically from what she was selling it. And that's a big thing for me because I think it was too expensive. So, um, so that's really exciting too because I really think we've got to get these accounts out there doing more of this work, doing more mm -hmm. of this financial healing, which I know I now I live in California, y'all. So it kind of seeps into your brain. Seeps into your language where healers and energy work and, you know, you get immersed. They put it in your polenta when you think you're eating grits, you're taking in this energy work, healing, magical <laughs> stuff. But, but it really is. I mean, we are in such a deep, you know, space with our clients. We are in really a, you know, a, a very special relationship. It's my phone. It's frozen in the background. Um, so it, it, we need to have tools that give us the confidence to really help at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And that's what these tools did for me. It enabled me to see things that I didn't know I could do when it came to clients. So, what do you think is the, the number one thing that prevents accountants from moving to advisor? Um, fear of not knowing. Yeah. Accountants like, are, you know, we use same as last year, right? That's our yeah. go-to. We have- We're um, very risk adverse. We it's imposter syndrome, right? Everyone thinks yeah, they're not good enough, so they're not going to say anything, and then yeah. you've got to give it a shot. Well, some of us know we're not good enough and don't care, Brad. <laughs> we just do it anyway. There you go. Well, but you know, that's a good attitude. Whole, you know, advisory is you're going off a cliff with no parachute much of the time. You're opening a box that you may not have the answer to, and so it's scary. And it, again, goes against the risk-averse nature of the profession and so when i can give you some foundational tools that you know are, are available it gives you the confidence to go out and ask questions that may take you down a different path i have you know i have so many things that i can do depending on what you tell me you need that i'm not afraid of anything and if i don't know i'm not afraid to say i don't know and go find you somebody right you know, that's the other beautiful thing about all these connections that we have you know i know mm -hmm. somebody knows something about just about everything we all do because we're so networked from these events and we don't just go to the events and sit at our table with our friends and not meet anybody, which mm -hmm. is what, you know, our, our typical accountant friends do. They go sit by the same two people that they see every year and never meet anybody else. So they're not growing a network. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's, 
the fear of really it's self-doubt is the biggest issue right i don't know anything about wine so how can i possibly help them do the numbers in wine well you drink enough you don't care if you don't know anything about the wine (laughs) (laughs) you really understand that if you know numbers it doesn't matter what you're selling Mm -hmm. it's all got to end up in the general ledger no matter what right so how do people overcome that fear like how do they how do that's the only way i know how you get tools so that's what the training did for me it gave me these foundational tools that allowed me to basically only focus on listening and asking different questions mm-hmm. with that foundation you can do you can do great things for clients because they just want to be heard sometimes and they typically yeah. it's like you know, when you go to therapist you don't come in and they tell you okay go home shoot your husband <laughs> tell the kids <laughs> to move out buy a new house and go find a new man. I mean, they don't do that, right? We have to work our way through it in 20 or 40 years and they wait for us to find our own answers. That's what we do. We -hmm. don't come in and solve it for them. We show them things. We ask questions that help them find insights that they may not have had otherwise. And then we're there to support them in addressing them, you know, as advisors. We have tools, we have reporting skills, we have inquiry skills, we have questioning skills, we have documentation skills. We're great at follow-up and accountability. All those things, those are the basic skills that you need to bring to bear in this. Just You just need to think about it in a different way. Mm-hmm. It holds us back. And that's what yeah. I'm out to change, y'all. Yeah, and it is just having the right questions and 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 the attitude to listen and, like you said, document, right? Like, yeah. And, and not feel like you have to come up with the answers for these people because, quite frankly, the likelihood that you know the answers better than they do is slim to none. Yeah, when somebody's been working in the wine in any business for you know 10 years, heart, blood, and sweat and tears in that business, and you walk in, you know, Joe Blow in a CPA firm doing taxes for 20 years, there's no way in hell you know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. But you can certainly have them walk you through it and document it for them and say, here's what you said, here's what you heard you say yeah. about what challenges. You know, why do you think that is? And then you know, curiosity is to me the, the biggest skill that we need to have in order to be successful as an advisor. Why do you yeah. do that? I don't can't yeah. tell you how many times I do that, especially when I'm in a winery. Why are you putting that stuff in that barrel with those paint stripes around it? Or they do weird things in the wineries. There's a big <laughs> giant egg made out of cement. And you walk by and go, is that an egg made out of cement? Is that just an Easter thing, or is there some purpose for that? And it's a special fermentation tank for certain types of wine. It gives it a much more um clean flavor on the whites <laughs> on the whites they put Sauvignon Blanc in there instead of putting it in a um you know putting oak they put it in a cement tank and it has a crisper taste see I sound like I know what I'm talking about don't I yeah it sounds like you know a lot about wineries <laughs> well you, you know you go in and you really do and it's fascinating the science is fascinating mm-hmm. farming science and so I mean I am curious I'm not faking it I'm not faking yeah. authenticity well you you okay. and that's the thing is you can't fake it right like you can't no. like, yeah and, uh, you just listen you question you ask and you just don't be afraid to not know and and i guess that's the, the, the thing about niches right is you know i find there's lots of niches sorry whatever you want to call it oh, I, uh, I thought you were saying leeches <laughs> niches <laughs> um, but you know there's so much there's always been so much talk about niching but no one really ever talks about like like they talk about why you should go into this niche because you know it's a large enough industry or whatever it is but no one talks about well because i'm interested in it and i'm curious about it right and and you know you there are lots of ways to be successful you know and a lot of people talking about things that we should do 
everybody's mm -hmm. telling us what we should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. I think we should do whatever the heck floats our boat and makes us excited. And the more excited, yeah. maybe there's five different things that are exciting to you. Or maybe there's some aspect of something that's intriguing to you. Don't let anybody tell you what you need to do. That's one of the benefits of being old. You just do yeah. whatever the heck you want. Well, that's <laughs> one of the things. I'm just going to do what I think. And if you guys don't like it, too bad. But, exactly. um, but you know, if that's why people own wineries, because they came to Napa or they had a really great bottle of wine and they wanted to be part of that. So why shouldn't we have the same sort of love for it to do accounting? You right. know, but the thing about this industry that's so special to me is the complexity of it is fun. The moving parts, there's so many different things that you're doing that you really get exposed to all kinds of industries. You're doing manufacturing, you're doing farming, you're doing wholesale and retail selling. You're doing very complicated regulatory stuff around it. Um, and so there are all these components that come together. So to me, that's the really fun part. And, it, and again, the technology challenges are ridiculous. I mean, the technology is so backwards. So it's like coming into the moon and bringing in technology. People, wow, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought technology was really revolutionizing winery with IoT and all sorts of amazing things to be able to well, measure there, everything. You know, there, well, that might be, there's vineyard technology and there's, you know, there's testing technology and things like that. But when you look at the systems, they're horrible. Most of them are, are arcane. So when you can come in and, you know, say, let's automate your bill payment, let's automate your invoice trapping, let's look at this, because you have people still doing everything in Excel around the accounting. Yeah. yeah. You have production systems that are separate. See, so what you end up with is 20 different disconnected systems and 8 million Excel spreadsheets and one very, very, very exhausted accountant in the middle trying to keep it all together. So when you can yeah. come in and act all that, you're the hero of the you're world. You're the hero. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, find something that really, and I don't think we take enough time to think about what we enjoy about the work that we do. Yeah. You know, we're just doing it. We're so busy doing it. Mm -hmm. When you step back and go, you know, the really fun part of this to me is X and then go do more of X. And exactly. That's when I'm really sought after when you're the yeah. X expert. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what my dad has always said to me is that you, you work a, a job you love and you never work a day in your life. And yeah. I've been very fortunate to have someone in my life who, who is always like, you know, do what you enjoy, you know, spend well, time doing. Know, I, I said that to my son and he's still living at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's what he enjoys. Okay. It's time to stop enjoying and start finding a revenue stream with your enjoyment, dude. Well, but I, but I mean, we can think back to high school too, right? When it was, it's, you know, or, or university or whatever it is, when you're trying to find your career. You don't even yeah. know what you'd like because you haven't you haven't lived long enough. You haven't tried enough things to know. You don't, and, have, any, you don't have any idea at that point. You don't know. Yeah. But, you know. I was on track to be an accountant from seventh grade. So I thought I had a perfect clue about what I was supposed to do and just kept doing it until 15 years later. I went, I don't think I really like this. I think I'm going to go do something else. Well, when I, when I decided to go that route, my dad phoned me up and said, don't do it, Brad. Just don't. You know, they write these stupid exams and it's boring. <laughs> You're not an accountant. And I actually had to convince him that that's what I wanted to do. But he worked for an accounting firm on the consulting side. So he had that special insight. But I'll tell you, when I did decide to go that route and I passed yeah. and I got my letters, he was pretty excited. So yeah, that's my well, boy you know it's, yeah it's great because it's a very respectable thing to do and yeah, he and just found it odd he's like of all the things i chose he's like accounting are you sure brad you don't seem to have that personality and that's well you explain know that it opens doors right it's it's yeah. a skill the language of business is the way i look at it foundational basic skill set and i'm so grateful that i put up with it for so long so i could have <laughs> so i could leverage it in a different way because you can't just go out you know you have young people coming right out of school i'm going to go be a consultant 
And I think that's great, a great dream, but you can't consult if you haven't lived through the pain and suffering and understand what really goes on. Well, how about the, the youngins in their 20s these days that say, I want to be a life coach. It's like, They're you haven't even lived yet. <laughs> you haven't oh, even I, lived yet. Everybody's like, a life coach. I, yeah, I go on yeah. there and look at their face. I go, how in the heck have you lived enough life to know what to coach? My favorite, when I was in Atlanta, I went to one of those uh, meetup of something and they had a life coach who was the speaker. And somebody asked her where she lived. And she said, I live in the trailer park in, Tra in Taylor, South Carolina, which is like, you know, where the where the people in overhauls live. But I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go to her for all of my life coaching because I want to make sure I'm in the next trailer. Down well. yeah. <laughs> I want a double wide. Well, yeah, she's got a double wide. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing okay. against people living in trailer homes. So, well, you know, there's, there's a, what's his name? Who was the motivational speaker down by the river from Saturday Night Live. Remember? Oh, uh, Stuart Hunt. Trailer down by the river. Uh, you know, the big guy who died too young. I can't remember his name. Anyway. Oh, John yeah. Candy. No, not John Candy. Or, um, Chris Batman and a little Chris Farley. That's it. Yeah. Farley. Jet Farley. Yes. Mm. And he would do the whole thing about I'm a motivational speaker down by, in a trailer down by the river. But it, it's <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you get a lot of that. Like, literally, I, I, I had to, like, talk my dad off the ledge who was looking to hire this consultant um he was a sales and marketing consultant 29 years old um and was telling my dad that he could he could triple our revenue and and in one year he was going to be able to triple our revenue and we looked him up on facebook and he had two and a half years of sales experience yeah, or, sorry, not on facebook selling, i'm like this right? he's good at selling that's <laughs> his skill he almost sold my dad um and and literally the only reason we didn't work with him is thankfully we had we had so he was giving us all these testimonials and i'm like it's a case study after case study i'm like okay but are these case studies like he did in university or are these like real clients he's sharing you his assignments his yeah. essays <laughs> um and and thankfully my stepbrother actually knew one of the companies that he had listed in the case studies and we got enough information to realize that was not the direction we wanted to go. But it's just, it's like, you can literally go out there today, create okay. a great Facebook ad. And this guy, like he was, his, he had a brilliant Facebook ad and campaign he was spending. He clearly had some skills we need to know about because I yeah, think he, of that stuff. He, he did have some skills, yeah. um, but, and, and he was, had this ad where he's driving around in a, in a, in a Lamborghini and, Turns out that was a rented Lamborghini. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. Um, but it was so easy to like, create that image and that illusion of, um, and it's funny because the accountants have the opposite problem. We're afraid to go into these world worlds and 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 start you know Not expressing our confidence and and then because we're afraid we can't deliver. And then you have these people, these these, uh, and I hate I don't need to knock on the millennials. But they have 150% confidence. They don't mind telling you that they could be your life coach or they could teach you sales and marketing, even though they have two that. And a half years of experience or were working in Foot Locker last week, but now they're like the best business coach you could possibly hire. Well, and their feet don't hurt like ours do, Andrew, because they're wearing those good shoes. Exactly. So, you know, there's some benefit there. But, you know, those are the kids I raised. You know, I got millennials and we taught them not to put up with crap like we did. I'm not going to yeah. spend... I don't want you to spend 15 years being miserable and then figure out what you want to do. I want you to start out raising the bar and do something that you care about and that you love. And yeah, maybe it's taken a little bit longer, but, but I trained them to be that way. I want them to be that way. I want them to be yeah. happy. 
And my son is an artist. He's also a gamer. So he's getting paid to stream live and he's taking what he loves and it's turning into revenue. Very tall, very small amount. Of revenue, but, but it's revenue. And I think that's going to take him. He's going to bring all the skills that he has together and get him in a path to where he needs to be. So I have faith that, that that's the thing. But I mean, we trained him that way because we, we were, we didn't want him to live the life that we led where we just sat at our desk and ground away for a long time back in the day when we used to do that. Um, yeah. You know, thankfully, yeah, yeah. we can take those skills, though, and today, thanks to what's going on in technology and social media and everything else, we can leverage them in a much more rewarding way, and we don't have to be those personalities. So people like us have a place now, and we mm. can shine because we're not sitting in the back office with the calculator. You know? what, is, so, what, is, what do you attribute that transition in the industry from where we, it's really gone? I think technology changed yeah. a lot because of the collaborative tools because I was trying to be collaborative when we didn't have a way to do it. I wanted to be right. live and help them with their numbers and I couldn't get to it. They back up their thing on a floppy and you know, on a flash drive on a floppy. Boy, am I old. <laughs> They'd them and we'd plug the thing in the handset. I did that too. Or I would plug my keyboard and a pluggable compact out to the site, but you couldn't, you couldn't look at stuff quickly enough to be as advisory. There were things right. you could do. I had desktop tools that I could do dashboards on and things like that. Um, but it was still clunky. You had to get the data and it was a way difficult kind of process. And now I can plug in right lot now and call you and we can both look at the screen and there's just so many more things. Right. But also, because the technology has eliminated a lot of the crappy stuff that we had to do in order to get to the numbers, it gives us more time and energy to get to the, what does this mean? Dialogue. Right. Yeah. So that did it. But I also think because we had to become more technologically savvy, it made us be more less risk averse yeah i think we had to sort of jump off a cliff and pick a piece of software and do something with it or figure right. it out and that gave us some muscles for for being more creative and more you know, more risk taking yeah we need to go to andrew's party right now yeah <laughs> someone's someone, yeah. to go to bed <laughs> get to bed andrew it's nine-year-olds yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly a great party the party will kick off once they're asleep he's at the beach having all kinds of fun yeah but kicking off the video here any minute now okay. yeah it's just but it, I, I wonder though like you're right technology is definitely a big reason i think why We've seen the transition more towards this type of more advisory role than an accountant of six yes. is in the back corner. Um, but I also wonder, are we sacrificing some of the fundamentals for some of the newer generation because of that? Like I, I'm seeing accountants who can't do journal entries because how to use QuickBooks really well, but they don't know what a debit and a credit is, right? Well, you know, I'm teaching the wine, the winery folks. How I made, I just taught, we took an eight hour class that I teach to winery tasting room staff about accounting, accounting for mm -hmm. wineries. And I do an eight hour, did an eight hour live class. In bed. I start with journal entries. I make them do journal entries and I made a grid so they don't have to do debits and credits so they can keep things in balance. And I walk right. them through and I make them do journal entries because I want them to understand mm -hmm. how the pieces fit together to create a financial statement. I don't know yeah. how you can understand that if you don't do that, if you can't yeah. follow a transaction through. So I don't know how young people do get that because for me, it was doing a manual trial balance. I could see mm -hmm. the things or you know, at least an Excel trial balance. And then you start to see, oh, that number makes that happen. And you really start to click in and it takes a lot of that for it to make sense. Right. I don't know how they do it, but you know, for me, if I can go into the software and flow a transaction through, then I can understand the business that way. Right. I can track what goes where and where the entries show up and I can make, oh, this is how you're processing. So it's, for me, it's kind of a 
the key to understanding the business backwards. I don't, it's it's got to be difficult to get to that level of knowledge if you don't work through the journal entries. I don't know what they're doing when they're teaching people, but yeah. I mean, they, and they don't have the Excel skills either, which is shocking to me. I don't know how you can do accounting class today and not do, you know, master's classes in Excel. Yeah. But it's, um, it's well, different. But it's also like because what's also happening I'm, I'm seeing is people who are coming they didn't come up through like accounting programs or bookkeeping programs but now they're seeing all this buzz around cloud accounting and they're looking for a work from home job and hey i can take a bookkeeping course and i can learn qbo i can take a free course from Intuit and become a bookkeeper right? <laughs> like well i have to tell you though andrew there's one excellent class on becoming a bookkeeper i know the person who teaches it so it's really does she good. have great hair Yes, she's a really good instructor. She's basset hounds and a redneck accent. So I wrote a class for them, basically taking some of these key tools that I developed to get bookkeepers to understand the accounting. So we try, and, and right. but yes, but that's still that's just step one of fifty thousand steps you need to take to be really good. Guys, get to that being a bookkeeper, and that's one of the challenges we face. Anybody can say they're a bookkeeper, and boy, can they make a huge, horrific mess because. The business owners aren't looking at it. Yeah, and they yeah, don't know. They can just hand it over and say here and whatever happened. I, I mean, I woman yesterday I met with, she had like three or four different people who kept screwing up the books and she didn't know she didn't know what to look at. <laughs> yeah. And, bad by the end of the year. And we've so, all we've most of us who've been in the accounting world for a while have certainly come across those sets of books. We're like, what the fuck was going on <laughs> over here? It's just uh, it's unbelievable what you're going, how did this person get anybody to hire them because the people hire them don't know what we do you know it's that same issue mm -hmm. the stuff we do is completely unintelligible to everybody else and they don't want to look at it they just want to hand it to some anybody off the street get it off their plate yeah and be done just as it. long as it's not me i don't want to do it. i don't want to see what's going on because i don't understand it, it scares me mm -hmm. and my accountants don't make it any better i take my taxes and they make me even more scared and then they, yeah, tell they me make me feel stupid yeah, yeah they, they, you know, we, we do, we, it's like we set out to make people feel bad because we have no power otherwise, mm -hmm. which is really sad. It's like the um, mall cops, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's all, it's the only fun we get. Plus yeah. we can superiors lording our boring accounting terminology and our tax code lingo <laughs> over somebody who mm -hmm. wants our help, but it's changing. There's hope yeah. it's progress. Where would you like to see the profession in five years? What would you see? What would you like to see change more rapidly? What do you think is good the way it is? I think that our standards are very admirable. Our ethical standards are, um, you know, are trying to build consistency across different business entities. I think it's nice. We have some standards. I don't agree that they're, they matter that much. I mean, all this stuff we keep doing with the FASBs and the lease accounting and, you know, piddling around with putting something as a debit and a credit and an asset and a liability to offset it. And it was like, who cares? But, right, you know, right. somebody must, <laughs> smarter than me. Yeah. But, you know, I think we need to have more of a focus on managerial, managerial reporting instead of FASB compliance center right. reporting. I think that's what we can do as accountants. We can say, <laughs> yeah, we'll do this for GAP, but here's what you really need to know. And here's a different way to look at the same information so that you can understand it. Yeah, but I mean, I you know it's clear. There's no secret about what my mission is for this profession, and that is that we become excellent communicators, that we become true champions for our clients, that we go in there and help them do whatever it is they need, and we help them achieve the results that they're dreaming about. 
Right. And when we step into that role, we're going to change the world. I think we drive the economic engine of the world. This mm -hmm. is a huge opportunity for us. Turn it into a more positive place through the numbers. I mean, yeah. really, I think we can drive businesses in a far more positive, progressive, and, and supportive way. And, you know, businesses are where the employees get paid. So yeah. if we can help them be more successful and support more line workers and people that need to be paid and need to be celebrated, if we can make businesses better, we're making the world better. And people so, know I mean, the numbers right now, how important they are, especially with the stimulus packages that both um, our countries have. They don't yeah. just hand you the money in, in many cases, you do have to submit and report There's a bit. There's all kinds of crappy stuff that you have yeah. to do. I so don't now they're like, oh, I need an accountant, right? Yeah, and I need somebody who can explain this to me in a way that I can understand. And you know, that's what we do. I mean, immediately we started writing it out there and I said, I don't know. And the night they released something, I would get out and say, this is, we are writing it as it comes out. We're trying to interpret it to the best of our ability, maybe wrong by tomorrow, but I yeah. want you to have something so we can start. And this is what we think it's gonna mean to you. And again, that niche, niche focus, I knew the things that applied in the wine industry. So I could drill into these are the five things that matter for you. Mm -hmm. You need to be looking at this and we're looking at this for you and calling us if you have these things, you know, that kind of stuff. So it really helps you narrow what you have to figure out about everything that comes out. You have to learn it, the whole spectrum of things that are impacted by each of these law changes. So it's really a, a benefit to be able to kind of narrowly drill deep into something when it comes out like in a very fluid environment that we're yeah. in right now. Well, that, and that is, it's such an important, powerful part of niching or niching because you're absolutely right. Like when we, when going through these changes, obviously Canada, the U.S., yeah. similar, but different, it was the same idea here. Like it allowed me to boil in on a couple of key areas that were problematic, yeah. right? I didn't have to focus on everything yeah. that was being released. And even that was a struggle, right? Because things were coming exhausting. out. So it was exhausting, right? Yeah. We've never and, lived as, yeah, as accountants for anything like this, where yeah. the rules come out, there's no guidance. Usually we had some guy back in the law firm somewhere yeah. writing up the interpretations. We didn't, none of that happened. We had well, to and We were having the, the prime minister making announcements on stuff that wasn't even law that hadn't, <laughs> hadn't even happened. And clients calling us the next day, be like, so how do I do this? I'm like, well, well it's well, not law yeah. yet. Well, so, you know, Twitter becomes the go-to, Twitter was the go-to regulatory source for much of our information. I mean, I don't know how many of us were getting tax stuff in the U.S. from the tax Twitter stream that we're all following. We got stuff there faster than any place else. You know, right. the CCHs and the Walters Kluwer and all these people that were doing the reference stuff, they didn't provide anything until weeks later when we had already had to make a decision for our clients. Yeah. So yeah. we were going to social media to get our, our connections on stuff and, and, you know, connecting with people and, and discussing this stuff as soon as it came out. It was, it was an amazing thing, you know, for, with the tax background that I have, you know, you had a bunch of authoritative resources that you were trained to rely on. And there yeah. just weren't any in this case. Yeah, there weren't. There was literally nowhere you could go. the authorities on whatever yeah. happened. Well, and wow. thank, thankfully, we were here and had this community, like, I, and, and we had so many Canadians who really went above and beyond, not just yeah. to help their clients, but to help other accountants and bookkeepers. Yes. Yeah, and we had, you saw community like you've never seen. And, you know, that's one of the big positives of this whole thing. Anytime you have a shared, a shared difficulty, yeah. I think you really develop ties. We all survived this together. And I think you really appreciate the community and you also become much more tightly bound, I think, as a, as mm -hmm. a gift of this experience. I think there was a lot of that. People, we were all just gathering and having discussions about things. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and how much war you got from that than you did from, you know, the people we're paying to be the experts. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so.
lots of lessons learned in this whole experience. Well, believe it or not, we have about three minutes left. It's, it's amazing how time flies. It does. Uh, it, it is. So, thank you again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, drink. <laughs> Did she say Bassett? Bassett Hounds. Is that Bassett Hound conference. Her, her Bassett Hound is going to a conference. <laughs> so first of all, where can where can people find out more about these? Like you mentioned so many different amazing programs that you're putting together and you're working um, on. Well, you can, well, go to my website, even a nerd, even a nerd. Even a nerd can be heard is my brand. Um, and there's a page on there with the Mentoring Plus stuff and the programs that I'm doing. People really want to get speaker training. I would love to put something together. I just don't know. Yeah. And I really wanted to do a live on-site thing so we could do some fun stuff in California, go to a neat place and kind of convene, but who knows when that'll ever happen. Andrew's so been I trying love... to get something like that together for a while. He yeah, would love yeah. to put together some sort of niche we'll be in touch because i think yeah, it's a great well, idea i'm open for anything but i really do want to train speakers and you know when i did the tedx coaching all the speakers were all over the country so i was doing remote coaching for that and it was really fun um and rewarding and i and i, I think we made a huge impact they, they went from um they really improved i mean you can see the impact over time with those speakers and so that experience was really good for me to realize that I can, in fact, not just, you know, doing and coaching are not necessarily the same thing to see that I was yeah. able to share what I've learned with some of these other folks and, and make a difference, hopefully. And I, love, I always love when you can have those things where like, you can see, you can measure like beginning and end. And yeah, it's, it's rewarding for you as the coach to be able to see but the effects of, yeah, no. You know, that's one of the things about what everybody wants they want to see that what they do matters and that you're able to to drive some kind of change and that's again why the advisory is so much more fun than tax mm -hmm. you know where's the impact when you add somebody their tax return yeah when you can see somebody getting out of a trough that they've created for themselves and they're in a ditch and their business is you know and you can see them come out it's just fabulous it's just very very special for you and yeah. for them and hopefully that empowering you know, the feeling that the energy that you're going to get out of that might encourage a few people to move down that that direction because it can be intimidating right it can be it, it can be overwhelming and, I mean, and you know the one thing is what i'm Brad and i both know we're, really, we're almost sick of the word advisory and that should have been one of our drink our drink words as well oh yeah like, yes. because we keep hearing it over and over again at every conference it's over done well, you and, know, everybody's but, talking about it again in theory, but they don't tell you how. It's you should, exactly. you should, you should. Well, I, you know, yeah. I know how. I'm telling you what you do. <laughs> Follow me. I'm the Pied Piper of advisory. Drink to that. We'll drink to advisory. We'll drink to that. And again, oh, we're all going to sign advisory. up for your stuff. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd take your course in a heartbeat. I think you teach me how to be a great speaker. So consider this to be your first uh, i'm signing up for that course wherever and whenever so it will be the, the fee is going to be fifty thousand dollars you don't mind do you oh no right. problem i'll just do you take the entire money not, not <laughs> that funny canadian money either y'all have up there must be the good stuff u.s dollars i only accept bitcoin or gold bricks <laughs> bitcoin or gold bricks yes. oh. okay well, I'm looking forward to it. I hope I can afford it. <laughs> okay, well, let's keep in touch. Let's do it. We need to make this happen. I've been talking about it way too we, long. Well, you get to hang around with us. We're just going to shut down the live stream. We can have a little conversation. Okay. And uh, okay. thanks. Thanks for coming, Jeannie. We really thanks, appreciate Jeannie. it. Thank you. All right, so everyone. Much. We'll wow. see you next week.